Welcome, you guys. Thank you for being part of Mariners today. I'm Paul. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's wonderful to see all of you. Um, thank you again for coming out. Hey, I was talking to Caitlin, who is our children's director um, here, and um, we had, um, last weekend, we had, in one service, we had 68 kids in our program, okay? 68, which just blew apart any record we have. And so it, it tells me um, a couple things. One, it tells me you're a pretty fertile bunch. Um, that's what it tells <laughs> Um, it also says that we're, we're growing, and our kids' ministry is, is doing really well. Actually, kids, sometimes some of you parents are here because your kids say, I want to come, I want to come. And, and so um, praise God for, for those kids. Um, and as a result of our growing kids, it says, I mean, this is what we want. We want it to happen, obviously. And, and so we would go through the great joy of saying, well, where, where are we going to put them? You know, and that's why we have our, our, our new wave um, you know, growth campaign to help knock out some walls and make this thing bigger, and thank you guys for being part of that. But it means we have 68 chances, you know, every, every week or every service to touch 68 lives. Isn't that great? Isn't that just imagine the thing about that? Their lives will be changed forever because maybe of a Sunday or of, of a weekend that they, they've spent here for eternity, their lives will be changed for that. And what we're saying is there's no greater experience than to be part of a the life change of a kid, of a child. And, and so we're, we're, we're not just wanting, needing, hoping. We're actually expecting us to all together step up and say, I can be, be part of that. And there's lots of roles in the children's ministry as we are working to reach more and more kids for Jesus. And so um, um, as God moves in your heart, uh, um, and um, talk to Caitlin or just let us know, can, can help some way in, you know, with, with kids' ministry. You don't even have to, well, I, you have to like kids, but everyone likes kids. But we just need greeters, we need administrative stuff, we need things happening um, just to, for the check-in and all that kind of stuff. And so if you haven't signed up yet, please do. Um, please do on that one. Another thing I just kind of want to do <clears throat> and, and, and have this together is we as a, as a, as a church... Um, well, every month we, we find a place in the world and we pray for the persecuted church. Those believers around the world that man, they cannot exercise their faith in, in public, um, or if they do, they are at risk. And so we'll pray for them and for the, for the countries. But, but we're not unaware of persecution or of situations or problems that happen, um, not just simply um, with our faith, but other faiths as well. And, and certainly we're shocked horrified that somebody would walk into a mosque and, and gun down, kill 50 people, you know, and lots more injured with that. And, and whether they are our faith or not, um, gosh, they certainly have, a, um, they have families and um, they have kids and they have grandparents and parents. And, um, and, and so right now is a time of mourning for them. And so, um, you know, God loves them deeply and we will too, and we will pray for them right now. And so I'm going to invite you to pray with me. Um, would you join me in prayer? Lord, in this moment, we would pray for people we don't even know in New Zealand that um, are just shattered. This is a horrible weekend as they try and put life together and pieces back together again. And um, God, I know you're glorified and can be glorified even in the midst of bad and work your way um, through this cir circumstance. 
may the believers in New Zealand, the neighbors of the folks that are struggling, and may they know how to reach out and share, um, care for and help and support and love. May this be a time of unity, Father, people coming together. And it may be for your glory that these things happen. And right now, God, I pray for the, the rooms around us, the kids, that thank you that we're growing, moving us to see our, our job and helping raise them and help the kids grow and give me the right words now um, to share as we work for healing and our relationships and our marriage. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, at the end of the service, as we kind of wind down, uh, we're going to be talking about marriage and hope in marriage. And, and if you're here as a couple and maybe you're kind of struggling with, with that, we're going to provide an opportunity at, at the end uh, during a song for you guys to, if you want to come forward and just kind of recommit yourselves to making this thing work out, um, maybe like you've never before, we're going to give you that opportunity. You don't have to, you know. <clears throat> but if you'd like to, we just want to give you that opportunity for that. We, we are talking about hope, and, and when we ask the question, what is hope, there's two types of hope. There is what we'll just simply call wimpy hope, you know, and then there's God's hope. Wimpy hope is like a wish, you know, I hope the Warriors win, you know, or I hope I, I don't forget to wear green on St. Patrick's Day. You know, that's what we would call wimpy hope. Um, but there is actually God's hope, and God's hope is big, and it's strong, and it's not something you do, it's something you have, okay? It's something you have in your life. In fact, the Bible would say living hope. It's something that's alive within you, and it works within you all the time. And, and so we kind of defined it as peace and confidence that a loving God's in charge of life and in charge of my life. And no matter what happens, good or bad, it's going to be okay. I mean, that's, that's, that's the hope that we would have. Who knows what news we get this afternoon? We, we don't know. But the, the hope, the living hope we have is that, well, God's in charge of this. And however much it hurts or as hard as it is for me to work through it, it's going to be okay. God's there, and it's going to be fine. And we want to get this hope in us, you know, in us, you know, fill us up and, and all of that. And we've been talking about that. And now we want to talk about unleashing hope or getting it out of us, you know, to see it, how it can begin to move itself out into other areas of our lives. <clears throat> Peter would say this. He was one of the followers of Jesus, but he wrote in this in the Bible. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. I understand it's talking about sharing the message about Christ to other people, but it's also talking about sharing it when people say, man, you know, how come you have such great hope? You can say the reason is, is I've got a God who's in charge of things in my life, and, 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 and it's going to be okay. And, and last week we talked about unleashing hope in our families, and this week we want to talk about unleashing hope in our marriages, in our relationships, meaning this hope thing. It has the power to change a marriage. It really, really does. Now, I, I understand you may be here um, as a single adult, and you're thinking, oh man, you know, I should have gone to another church today. today. You know, I should have gone someplace else. And it's like, nah, now you really should, you, you, you shouldn't have. Um, because, and the reason for this is you know married people, and, and you can help them with this. Or you may mentor people, kids, children, people in the nurse, in, in, your, in, in, in the youth ministry as well. Or you may be married in the future, and these are 
I think, principles that God's going to give us that will help you in your life. And just generally, all of us need to see how God can work things out. Okay, God can work all these things out together. There are a bazillion one-liners about marriage, you know, the humorous statements that people make, you know, and you've heard them all, you know. I never knew what happiness was until I got married, and by then it was too late. You know, you've heard that one before. Um, yeah. They get worse, by the way. I'll say they get, they get worse. At the wedding, um, till death do us part is a promise. Ten years later, it's a wish. You know, you heard that one? And then somebody, yeah, I know. And this last one, last one, somebody showed, told me this on the way out. Is there a lot walking out the door? They said, you know what the longest sentence is? I do. So <laughs> think about it. Think about it. Okay. <clears throat> Too much decaf coffee. You guys need the real stuff back there. Right. Honestly, the thing that oftentimes gives people the least amount of hope, honestly, is their marriage or is in their relationships. You know, you talk about that, you know, the, the thing that should give us so much hope can be that thing which oftentimes gives us the least amount of hope, you know, or the relationships that we have. It's like, there's no hope in this one, and so it becomes an endurance. And some of you know what it's like, and some of you are going through the anguish of all this. I, I you know, I, I, I understand that. And, and, and I, I honestly believe, and this isn't just simply the power of positive thinking, and I'm just up here talking, I really believe there's hope for every person in every marriage, for every person in every marriage. And there's hope for every marriage and relationship. There is that kind of hope that's there. God will and God can provide that, and it can be there. And what I'd like to do is give you, I'll just call them four hope helpers, you know, which sounds pretty corny, but I couldn't think of anything else to say, that will unleash hope in your marriage and in your relationships. I'm going to call There's only four. There's more than four. I'm sure there's 4,000 different things, but we're just going to kind of bring them down to just four for this morning, okay? And, and the first one is this, okay? If this is how to help restore hope into your relationships and into your marriage. First one is this. You've got to give up myths that kill hope. There are certain myths that we hold on to that just destroy hope in our relationships. These wild ideas we get from TV and from the Hallmark Channel, you know, those kinds of things like that. And, and <clears throat> when we compare with our relationships, we say, what's up with us, you know? How come we're not like that? You know, how come we're not impossibly good looking like all those people are on TV? You know, how come we're not, we're not like, like that? What's, what's wrong with us? And, and the first one, the first myth is this. That's the myth of the soulmate. The myth of the soulmate. I call this the, the, the Napoleon Dynamite view of relationships. Any of you seen Napoleon Dynamite and want to admit it? Okay, now there you go. Okay, yeah. It's a fun movie. I, I, I like it. And, and it was all about these people looking for their soulmate. You know, that's what they were looking for on this one. And it goes something like this. God has created only one perfect person on this earth, your soulmate, for each one of us, and we need to find that person. There's one soulmate person out there for you, and you need to find that. And that is a wonderfully romantic idea, isn't it? Isn't it? A wonderfully romantic idea. In fact, if, uh, any $5 Hallmark card... I'm sorry, you can't buy a Hallmark card for $5. They're all $9 now. Any $9 Hallmark card says it really poetically. You know, you can read it and all this kind of stuff. And it's, it's kind of not true, 
you know, it's just not true about this one perfect soulmate out there for you. I, I used to hear it when, when we, were, we were in our youth group. We used to hear, well, God has that one person, perfect person out there for you. And you need to find that perfect person on earth, you know, that God has for you. We used to hear that. We used to hear all that time. And so, you know, we'd, we'd get together, you know, and we'd talk about that. And, and I, wonder if, I wonder what she's like, you know. Guys, I wonder if she's pretty. You know, I wonder if she likes to go fishing. And then I realized, oh, no. What if she's pretty and she likes to go fishing, but she doesn't like in and out? Nah, you know, what will I do? What will I do at that, at that point in, in, in time? But then I thought that one out. I began to think this whole soulmate, perfect person that will complete me. You know, I began to try and figure that one out. And I thought, suppose there is this one girl out there for me. God's one perfect, I, 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 wasn't, I was going to do this thing, the one perfect ideal person that's out there for me, you know, come out, come out where, wherever you are, you know, what if just for a moment in time, this perfect girl, this perfect woman for me, um, was out of God's will, and some jerk sweet-talked her into marriage, Oh no, you know, what do I do? You know, what do I do, what do, I do now? Now I'm doomed for God's second best you know, for me. But I'm out of God's will. And so I sweet talk some second best girl who's supposed to marry actually somebody else. Y- you understand that? There are four, no, there's five of us out of God's will now. And he marries somebody else. And, and all of a sudden you can see before long, do the math, eight billion people are out of God's will because that one girl that's supposed to marry me messed it up. Okay. You, you see how that can happen? You know, and I thought this, this, this can't this can't work because after all these thousands of years, we're, we should be way way off base. Um, and the problem with that whole soulmate idea that there's one soulmate out there for me, the first sign of problems or the tenth sign of problems in your marriage, you say, well, maybe this what isn't my soulmate. Or you meet somebody at work and you work, you work real well together and you begin to make this connection and you begin to think, I think I've met my soulmate, you know, and I made a, a mistake with this. I have to tell you, there is no perfect person out there except Lisa, my wife. Okay, she's perfect. So, so. <laughs> And this is being recorded, just so let you know. So. <laughs> second, second, second. You just again, don't think just because you're feeling this huge soulmate attraction with somebody else. That's right. Second thing, second, the myth that will always get along. <laughs> the myth that will always get along. Um, you know, if we're meant to be together, we'll get along and everything. That's just nuts. Okay, you're two people. You're just two people, and two people coming together. You're not going to just get along. On everything. Nobody has perfect compatibility. Nobody. And we're going to talk a little bit later about why we have trouble with getting the compatibility thing going. Third thing is the myth of the greener grass. You know, the myth of the greener grass. We always think that we're in the bad relationship and it's real dry on our side of the fence. You know, the myth of greener grass is the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. You've heard that. You know, well, I'm on this side of the fence and things are not going very well for me. They're not very good for me. And so therefore, if I get a change, if I can get to the other side of the fence, it will be better. You know, and the statement, the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. You know why it's greener on the other side of the fence? Because it gets watered. That's why. Because somebody's taken time to water it and make it better. And if, and this is my contention, that 
if we water and take care of our side of the fence, it'll be just as green. And then um, the last myth on this one is our marriage is beyond hope. Marriage is beyond hope. And that's theological. That just denies the nature of God. It denies the God who can make things happen and change. And it denies what God can do with two people who surrender to him. Jesus said, with God, all things are what? Possible. With God, all things are, all things are, are possible. Second thing, second thing on this one, and that would be commit to love. And you're going to say, what? You know, duh. You know, we already did that. You know. Hey, remember this song? Remember this song? Um, the first service was horrible at this one. And those of you on the worship team should help me with this one. Remember the song, You've Lost That Love and Feeling? Remember that song? Come on, let's go. Ooh, that love and feeling. Come on. You've lost that love and feeling, and it's gone. Come on, come on. Whoa, whoa. Yeah, all right. You guys are awesome. I love that love and feeling, by the way. I love it. You know, I love that thing. You know, that little tingle you feel when you're just walking, all of a sudden, the first time your hands brush against each other, and your little pinky goes out and grabs her little pinky, and all of a sudden, your hand in hand, remember the feeling? It goes up and down, all this kind of thing. You got to love that, you know? That's not love. It's not love. Because that thing comes, and then that thing, what? Egos, you know, and when they go, and if that's what we're basing our whole relationship on, we begin to say, I wonder if I ever loved him in the first place. Um, or what happens when you get that tingly feeling for somebody else? We have to understand that's not, that's not love. First Corinthians 13, um, if you ever read it, it's a love chapter in the Bible, and every Couple that wants to get married. I the last the last um, counseling appointment we have before I do their their marriage. I we always talk about the ceremony, and I ask, "What do you want in your ceremony?" And they always say, "Oh, there's that like that love chapter in the Bible, you know, which First Corinthians thirteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We want that one read. It's like, okay, I'll read that one, and we always do. And it says this: Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It doesn't boast. Not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And it's an astounding list here. Count how many times love as a feeling is mentioned. Not there. It doesn't exist there. Why? It's because feelings aren't part of love. They're just not. Feelings are dependent upon so many things. Um, I had a slice of pizza at 8.30 the other night. I didn't have any kind of feeling that was good about anything, you know, for two hours afterwards. Feelings come, feelings, feelings go. The Bible tells us this. This is how we know what love is. Okay, here we go. This is what love is. I'm getting ready for the tingles. I'm getting ready for the feel. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Untangle that for a second or just simply open that one up. You have a person that's willing to sacrifice their self and their lives for another person. That's love. That willingness, that desire, and that action that actually does sacrifice themselves for somebody else. Dying to self, living 
for the good of someone else. And Jesus said, or the Bible says, that's love. How much feeling do I need to be patient, to be kind, to bear all things, to believe all things, to hope all things? Love is not a feeling. Love is a commitment. It's a commitment. It's a promise. And when you get married, you're making a commitment and you're making a promise. And sometimes when all the feelings go away, the only thing you have is the commitment and the promise because the feelings will go away. They'll just go to nothing. And it may be because of pizza at 8.30 at night. It may be because of a lot of things going on and stresses at work. It may just simply be because the person's not very, quote, lovable right now. And that happens all the time. But the thing that keeps you guys together and keeps you being loved, keeping it being and not envying and not boasting and patient and kind is the promise and a commitment you made. And that's what it is. And, 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 and when I act upon that commitment and I act upon that, Promise by being patient and kind. Um, do the tingly feelings come back? Eh, sometimes. Um, but something deeper comes back. Deeper love. Number three, use the tools that God provides. Use the tools that God provides. And this is where our connection with God is so important. I remember somebody telling me this statement, you know, and they're talking about problem solving. If, if the only tool you have is a hammer, then every problem will be a What? Nail. You ever heard that before? Yeah. If the only tool you have is a hammer, then every problem is going to look like a nail because all I got is this hammer and I'm going to start smacking things on it like, like that. And, and, and I hate to say that in marriages, the tool we use are anger or sometimes survival or sometimes defense or sometimes passive aggressive or sometimes looking out for my rights or my control. If your only tool is anger, then every problem is going to be a fight. Okay? If your only tool is anger, then every problem is going to be a fight. Right? If your only tool is defensiveness, then every problem is going to be a challenge that you have to rise up and meet. Now, it's not that those things are unique to your marriage because all kinds of issues and challenges happen. Problems happen in marriage. The problem is going to be the tools that you're using. And the tools that we use, again, if you use a hammer to, tr- to try and do something that, that takes a very delicate pair of pliers kind of to pull something out, you're going to wreck everything. And that's what oftentimes happens in marriages is we come in with a very big hammer that's something that takes a very precision pair of tweezers. And we mess things up. And so what we need to do is we need to get the right tools. And so this is, what, this is what Paul says, and he's talking about the church, but it applies to marriage. It says, we don't need to write to you about the importance of loving each other, for God himself has taught you to love one another. Meaning you already have that tool in your life if you're a follower of Christ, because God has already taught you to love one another. You already know. And again, here's this verse again. This is how we know what love is. I already know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for others. Meaning, how did he respond to you in his love? He died to his rights, to his self, to his self-interest, to his time, to his energy, to his everything for you. And that's where marriage starts. Tool of dying to self. Last one. Believe in a God who pulls this together. Believe that God will pull it together. He really, really can, and he really, really will. Let's talk about weddings for a second. Um, can we see this picture? Look at this picture. Isn't that great? Isn't that a great picture? One, two, three. Yeah. Isn't that pretty? Yeah. Yeah, she's gorgeous. She is really gorgeous. 
Notice the white tux there? Yeah, I saw that. Um, that was in style back then. But I remember that day. Um, um, I remember that day really well. I have no idea what the pastor said to us when we were up front. None. Zero, zero, zero idea. Um, but Jesus said this. At the beginning, the Creator made them male and female and said, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. The two will become one flesh. There are no longer two but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. The words of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, we're talking about God saying this here. A couple of really cool things. Um, Not just cool. Timeless. Amazing. First of all, God joins them together. It's God that joins them together. I do weddings, and like I said, no one listens to what I say. I could could recite the Pledge of Allegiance up there, and they'd just smile and say, yeah, they look look really sweet. Um, but it really doesn't matter because I'm not the one who actually is joining them together. According to Jesus, who does? Who does? God does. I don't. It's not me. It's not the state of California. It's not the justice of the peace or the ship's captain or whatever else you did. God does. God joins them together. So this is a God thing. Your marriage is a theological situation. Okay? It's a theological situation. And look at the last part. What God has joined together, let man not separate. God God is saying this bar for this thing called marriage. I mean, really, really high. I mean, really high. You know, what God's joined together, let man not separate, meaning you don't split apart. God's given you everything you can to keep it together. And 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 and, and the reality is well, there's problems. And of course the problems. We're we're two broken people. Two broken people coming together, you know. Holy cow, you know, the potential for problems is massive. And, and, and I understand that, you know, as, as nice as she looked, you know, um, um, there on that picture, Lisa is a, a broken person. Do you know how I know she's a broken person? She thinks I'm a broken person. That's why I know she's a broken person. She thinks I got problems, you know. So <laughs> two broken people came together that, that day. And if God is setting it, that high for broken people, then God has to be the one to give us help and power to work it out. It has to be God to do it. It has to be God, okay? It has to be. Because God would not have said, this is the height it has to be, and you have to be there. If, and we think, but, but man, to the best of our ability, <laughs> we're busted. And, 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 and we're not here. We're, we're here and we're getting this we're getting worse and god says but then you believe in what i can do here now and the hope that's there and it can begin to rise up the third thing is the two will become one flesh and so no longer two but 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 one and this is what's really important for us as we think about the healing ability and the healing relationship that god can create in this marriage thing this is a horrible illustration but i couldn't think of a, a better one um suppose you're going to go in for surgery you know and uh, i don't want to talk about it. But, but anyway and 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 so they say well you know the surgery you may need some blood and so they ask you to maybe sometimes weeks or months before to do what to donate blood because they want to use your blood for, for this and it's true for any kind of surgery you want if they're going to do a bone graft um or if they want to do even stem cell you know all that kind of stuff so you have the surgery What's the best blood that you can have put back into your body? Whose blood is it? Don't say Jesus because somebody said Jesus before, and it's like, yeah, I get it. Jesus' blood is the best, but, but whose blood is the best for you at that point in time? It's what? Your own. Okay, if you need a bone graft, 
Whose bone is going to be the best for you? Your own. Stem cells. Whose stem cells are going to be the best for you? Yeah, 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 your own. Why? Because it's part of you. And the part of you that's going to come back into you is going to make you stronger and make you better. I'm going a, a ways around on this one because in marriage, there is what the Bible says, a oneness that happens. The two shall become what? One. They are one body now. God sees them as one, okay? As close to you as your blood, as close to you as your bones, as close to you as as anything else on the inside. The two have become one. And then there's a fight, and then there's a separation and all of that. The best person to complete and make it right, the best person, the only person that can make it, is what? The one you're one with. The one you're already one with. And so when couples say we're doing a, a trial separation, I hate that. I hate it. Because I think all you're going to learn is that you can live without each other. You're not working to reconcile. You're working to separate. Trial separations are not working to reconciliation. They're trying to see if you can survive on your own. And guess what? With enough work and with enough putting to death, you know, the thing that God wants, you can make it on your own. Absolutely you can. Will you be healthier? I don't know. Suck out half my blood and see how healthy I'm going to be. You see? Best person to complete and make it right is the one who is one with you. Let's turn around and make it better. Healing in a marriage happens really fast. Healing in a marriage happens, I mean, really, really, really fast. And I think there's incredible healing power in marriage. Huge, just massive, just, just massive. Um, I usually ask couples who come in for counseling one question. And I'm not a very good, I'm not a very good therapist, not, not very good at all, because I, I can't do the whole long out, do this, do this, do this, you know, you know meet for 10 weeks or anything like that. Um, and I will refer couples that have hope and that want to, to really build. Um, I'll refer them to really good therapists that are, that are there. But I'll ask them one question, um, and the first question is, is this. I'll ask both of them, or if one comes in, how badly do you want this marriage to work? How badly? How badly do you want this marriage to work? Yeah, terrible question. You know, horrible. How badly do you want it to work? You know, I'm not going to talk about their dad or I'm going to talk about this or this, this. I will bottom line say, how badly do you want this marriage to work? Um, and how hard are you willing to make it happen? Because if the answer is, I'm not sure I want this to work and I'm, I'm not willing to do the work for it, um, then a marriage that is dependent upon both being 100% sure and they're not, and marriage is dependent upon both saying we want this to work itself out, has a 0% chance of survival. Zero. It just, it, just won't, it just won't work. It just won't. Because that's not the nature of what God has designed. Because one is saying, or two, God, you're wrong in what you say. I will not believe you, and I have no hope that you can do anything in my life. This, 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 this thing's dead. This, this thing's dead. And I'll say, I'll say, we're done here. We're done here. You know, we're done. Um, just call me, you know, if I can help you with the residue and with the grief and with all the crud that's spread all over the place after it all falls apart. On the other hand, if I ask, how badly do you want this marriage to work and how hard are you willing to make it so? And they both say, we're done playing around. We're shattered. We hate what we've become. No matter what it takes, we want this to heal and get better. 
I will say this, congratulations. There's a 100% chance that you will have a great marriage. 100% chance. And guess what? You're 60%, 60% of the way there. You're already 60% of the way there. You're, and the better news is the hardest part's already over. The hardest part is saying, yes, you know, I still do. I still will. We still will do this. And we are going to use every resource that God can give us, and we will do what it takes, and I will do what it takes for her. And she says, I'll do what it takes for him in order to make this the very best that God could possibly make it. Now, work's going to need to happen, obviously, to undo the damage done. But it's now the damage is being healed in the basis of a committed relationship, not on basis of we could possibly separate at some point in time. And, and you need to, new, to learn new patterns on how to relate and how to see the other person. We call it reframing, and that changes so much. But understand, um, um, it's going to be hard, but it's also healing because you're doing it together. And it's fun rediscovering yourselves. You know, and there's a funness in that. And all of a sudden, sometimes those tingly things will come back. But a deeper love will develop there. And couples enter back into this journey together to discover what love is. So that means that there is hope for every relationship in this room. There, there always is. Always hope. Um, really, every. And, you know, we, we sang that song, you know, I know that you are for me. You could also change the pronoun. I know that you are for what? For us. I know that you're for us. Because he's already said so. I know that you're for us. Does it take work? Yeah, it does. Growing work. But everything takes that. You know? Splitting up takes work. Everything takes work. But this is good work. And the real key happens inside when we surrender to God, die to self, live for him. And this comes from God working on the inside, like he is now in your life, telling you things. And maybe God's saying to you, you both are probably tired of the way things are going, and you need me. And so stop pushing out my love and what I want to do in your life and work on this with new resolve. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up right now. And, um, and what we're going to do is we're, we're going to pray and um, I'm going to pray for you and pray for some relationship things that are happening. And, and then they're going to do a song or come back and do a reprise of a song. And if you feel led, just maybe as a couple or maybe as a single, to resolve to work on your marriage like never before, or maybe you're just broken, kind of shattered, and say, we, we want to redo this thing. Um, the spiritual part is just making the commitment before God. And if you feel comfortable and want to come forward. You don't have to. I mean, you can do it where you see. But if you as a couple um, or even as a single here say I want to resolve to make from now on things right, come forward and, and we'll just say a brief quick prayer with you and then um, be free to go back to your seat if God leads you only. So um, let me pray and then we'll do the music. Lord, thank you for what you do and what you can do and the hope you provide Right now, heal any breaking relationships. Heal the brokenhearted. Those that are here and, boy, it, it's gone. And it wasn't their fault. 
they might find the hope and trust in you, healing in you. And may the couples, Father, that are strong, we thank you for them. Those that are growing, we thank you for them. And those that will become stronger because of you and your work, we pray for them too. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Len's going to be on that side. I'll be here. If you feel comfortable coming and letting us pray with you, please do. Thank you for being here this morning. Some of you may have not felt comfortable coming up here for prayer, and we understand that. But if you would like to pursue prayer, our prayer room is open. And uh, following the service, there will be people in there that would love to uh, affirm with you to God the needs in your life and the trust that you will place in him to make a difference in your relationships. And so I encourage you to do that. Some of you really are committed to take some next steps in working on your relationship. And in your sermon notes, uh, there is a link on the back um, for familylife.com. And they do what are called weekend to remember events uh, for marriages. If you want to work on putting a new set of tools in place or how to develop those tools, we would encourage you to look that up. If... um, There's one actually coming up in early April in Burlingame, and uh, there is a church discount that we can make available to you, and if some of you would like some assistance, we would even be happy to um, help pay for your event to get there. We're committed to seeing relationships grow and thrive, and if there's something that you want to do to take that next step, we'd love to support you in that. Just let us know on your next step card, talk to one of us, uh, Paul or I, after service, and we'll try to get that um, to you. Um, But check that out. That would be a great thing. 
For all of us, thank you for being here this morning, and I hope that you leave here with more hope than you came in. God has a plan for all of our relationships, not just our marriage ones, and you could put all those tools of becoming like Christ in them, and so begin to show love towards others, and, uh, and things will be different. That's just the reality of what Christ promises to us, and so why don't you go ahead and stand, if you would, and let's celebrate and uh, just... Clap and get happy and rejoice, as Yvette said earlier, and what God has done in our lives. Thank you for being here.